Hey everybody, welcome back to One Mic, where I watch shit so you don't have to. And today I'm here to talk about episode 3 of HBO's Laetitia, which airs on HBO Max. Uh, these episodes have no title, so just going with episode 3 here. But again, this show continues to impress me. I really like a lot of what I'm seeing here. Uh, this week we got actually a little background information on Tony, which I thought was really interesting because it allows us to kind of compare the backgrounds of Tony and Laetitia. Like I mentioned last week, I'm, I said I'm interested in seeing what made these people who they are that put them in the position to make the choices that they made on the night of her disappearance. And we've got a lot of background on Laetitia and her, her, her upbringing with her mother and her issues, uh, her father and his issues. And we can kind of see, like, she comes from an abusive background. She's been, uh, you know, back and forth with foster homes and whatnot. And we can see how she could become someone that might make some questionable choices. But one thing we hardly ever see is a depiction of someone who's like a current day psychopath, right? Like we, we don't often get too much detail on their upbringing. You know, if somebody becomes a famous serial killer or something like that, then we get all that kind of information. But people do horrific crimes and we don't find out about their backgrounds like commonly. That's not something we often see. And I don't know why, it didn't even enter my mind that we might get backstory on Tony. But I'm glad that we did. I found it to be really interesting. So he comes from an abusive background as well. And it kind of leads into a point that I've made on several uh, similar shows that I have like this theory that it's not something that I made up on my own, but it's just something that I've kind of observed. I think I've read a couple of things about it. The idea of trauma being passed down from generation to generation. And when we hear about Tony's backstory, we hear that he's got a lot of shit going on. He's had a lot of stuff that happened, not just to him, but in his family. There was, uh, we find out that uh, his mother um, was uh, raped by her father and that Tony's older half-brother is the son of her father. Uh, and then we find out that she meets a new guy that, no, well, no, actually, first she gets married to someone else, then they have a daughter then that guy rapes her daughter. So like there's like this, uh, and it's, it, this isn't necessarily generational because it's different men, but this specific woman ends up dealing with two, Tony's mother ends up dealing with two different guys who molest their own daughters. And like, that's, that's crazy. Like as it, you know, on, on the face of it, that's crazy. Like to have to come across two, you know, your father who you have no control over that being your father. And then to meet some totally different guy who does the same shit. And she said that, you know, there was this perception that almost like incest was okay. And it was like something that people just kind of like didn't really concern themselves over. And that really bothered Tony. And he started to lash out. And we hear about, you know, there was, she said there was some moment where he like tried to stab a teacher or something like that. And we hear all kinds of uh, interesting stuff about uh, what happened with his life. So then she says that she, you know, marries a, a new guy. This guy's good. Doesn't beat her like the other guy did. The one who who uh, molested their daughter. Uh, and then Tony, for whatever reason, doesn't like this guy. Ends up in like, you know, lashing out. Like I said, tries to stab a teacher. Ends up in like, I guess, foster care. And then there's a scene where he, we see him essentially breaking out of the foster care at like 12 years old. He walks back to his mother's house. And we see like, you know, he steals some food on the way sleeps by a river of some sort. He gets to his mother's house. He's barefoot, feet are dirty and bleeding. 
he asks her for food. He asks for food, and all she does is like, "Yo, you can't be here. Like, this is not. You know, you you just can't be here." Doesn't let him in. Doesn't doesn't even say you can't be here. But wait outside. I'll bring you some food. Basically, just tells him to fuck off, and he he snaps. He, he tries to strangle her, tries to kill her, calls her a bitch, all this kind of stuff, and she sends him away. And it's one of those things that makes you wonder: Was this like a transitional moment in his life? Had she, you know, ev despite everything that he might have done in the past, uh, at this age of twelve, if she had just given him some food, might he have turned out differently? If she had invited him in to eat, might he have turned out differently? You know, if, if he had been shown some sort of love and then he snaps and now he ends up being this guy who routinely treats women like shit. And that's kind of, you know, I, I don't want to say that's how it happens because I don't know. I haven't, you know, done a lot of research on the subject, but it makes sense to me. That's how that would happen. You know, you have a guy who feels neglected by his own mother and, and maybe other women in his life. Who knows about this this sister that he had too? you know, and then he grows up and he starts to to lash out at other women. And they interview, the police interview another woman who apparently he dated, who again says that he raped her. And she uses a phrase that I thought was really good. I was saving this for my thoughts, but since I'm kind of talking about Tony, I'm going to uh, talk about this phrase. But she talks about like this guy does like drinks, like she said, like a liter of, of whiskey a day, uh, a dozen joints, uh, uh, some cocaine, heroin to come down. And she said like, this guy is ready to explode at any moment. He's a human pressure cooker. And I thought that was a really good uh, phrase to use because, like, he plays that very well. Like, a guy who's, like, on the surface, like, when he's interacting with Leticia in the flashbacks, on the surface seems like something that might resemble a normal guy. But then you see that rage come out on him. Like, we saw it when he was locked up in the prison cell. Uh, we see it when we see the, uh, the, I guess, the extended version of the scene where the hotel owner's son is smoking the cigarette and he sees him drop Leticia off and and we see we saw the argument in a past episode but then we see kind of like how it extends she calls her boyfriend and like we see him turn you know we know that he turns around and drives after her. like we could see him like becoming that guy who uh, on the surface seems semi-normal but then something can spark and boom he explodes like so I, I love the human pressure cooker uh phrase to describe him I thought that was uh really good so um Let's see here. Um, so we finally find Leticia's body in this episode. And interestingly, uh, we find it because of the conversation with the ex. So the ex, as she's leaving, tells the tells the cop, the main cop, I don't, I don't know his name, about this spot that Tony used to like to hang out at by the water that, you know, it's kind of hard to get to. And they go there and long story short, they find the body. Um, it's chopped up as we already suspected with the hacksaw blade being discovered in the fire in a previous episode. And uh, but it's missing the torso, just limbs and head. And you have to wonder, why would the torso not be with the rest of the body? And it wasn't a situation where it would have floated away because it was all wrapped up in like this like chicken wire. So um, I think that's going to be something that's going to be an interesting reveal later. Like what is there to find on or in her torso that would uh, explain why this would happen? Uh, or, or not why this would happen, but why the torso would be separated from the rest of the body. Uh, let's see. What else? What else did I want to talk about here? There's a lot of interesting things. Like, I felt like this episode did a really good job of, of raising interesting questions, right? So I talked about, like, how your background can mold you, right? Uh, Leticia coming from an abusive background with her father. Tony coming from uh, an abusive background with his mother. And not necessarily his mother abusing him, but, like, that 
uh, that feeling of, of, of not being wanted. Cause she said she, she essentially gave him away to, to foster care after his, uh, you know, after, you know, he became, uh, particularly problematic. So that abandonment there that he has with his mother, the idea that his, his father might've molested his younger sister. I think I have that right. All those sorts of things. Like, you know, he comes from a, a place of, of neglect and so does, uh, so does Laetitia. So I think that, that, raises like an interesting conversation of like, you know, these two people come together in what ends up being something tragic and they both come from backgrounds that are fairly similar. Uh, I think that that's an interesting question to raise, not a question to raise, but interesting conversation to have. Um, and, and like I said, how, how certain moments could have gone differently. So like I, I mentioned, like if, if the mother hadn't turned Tony away, might Tony have gone down a different path? And then you think, what if Laetitia and Jessica had not been returned to their father? What if they had stayed in foster care? Uh, you know, what? And, and this question is ultimately raised by the father himself at the end of the episode. What if he had, what if they had never left him? What if they had stayed with their father the whole time? And that's how the episode ends with him asking that question. And uh, it doesn't get an answer. Well, it gets a, I don't know, which is really the only answer that you can give. But um, I think it does raise an interesting question because... You know, he so he he got the kids after the mother was committed and they essentially said the mother's not mentally fit to take care of them. So we're going to give them to you. And he was fresh out of prison for rape with nothing, no house, no job, nothing. And they gave him these two kids and he he continues to raise these kids terribly. They we find out that he was hitting them, all kinds of shit. We saw him berate the mother to them at the in the previous episode clearly he's doing a shit job of raising these kids and if ultimately in this episode we find out they were taken away they're failing school they uh, it sounded to me like they repeated a grade and they're just they're they're struggling and they say you know it's because of their background i'm not background because of their home environment they're clearly not fit to live with their parents live with their father and to you know have a good education so they're going to take him away and put him in social services. And the father's like, wait, you gave them to me fresh out of prison for rape with no job and no home. I now have worked toward having a job, having a home, working long hours to take care of them. And now you're taking them away because they're not doing good at school. And I think that was an interesting point to raise because from his perspective, they correctly gave him the kids when they shouldn't have and took them away under better circumstances than they were in when they gave him gave them to him but then also we know and which isn't discussed here is that he abuses them he treats them terribly so had they stayed with him who knows what would have happened but it's interesting to think they were taken away under conditions that were better than the conditions they were given to him in and but then on the flip side we also know uh, you know, they, they were with him and, and, you know, they were, they were getting yelled at, screamed at, berated, beaten, all other kinds of shit. So who knows what would have happened to them? But I suspect, I don't suspect, but I wonder what their situation has been like with the foster parents. Cause that fucking foster father, I just do not like this guy. They have this scene at the dinner table with him being like really strict about them putting phones away, which is fine. But when you get consecutive calls and text messages from the same person, maybe you let go of your dumb fucking rule of like, oh, I'm, it's so important that you don't have your phone at the table that I still want you to ignore what seems to clearly be an emergency 
because I just have this rule and I'm just want to stick by it because I'm a fucking stupid stickler about stupid fucking rules. And then he gets a call right after she turns her phone off, supposedly, probably from the same person, ignores that call. And it's like, how many times do you have to get a sign that maybe you should answer this call before you let go of your stupid, pointless fucking rule? Like if, if they're playing video games on their phone at the dinner table, yeah, tell them to put their phone away. But if it rings two or three times consecutively from the same person, it's probably an emergency and probably time for you to not stick to a stupid fucking rule like that for a stupid fucking reason. I hate, if it's not clear right now, I hate stupid rules. I, and especially people who are, who stick and, and, and really enforce stupid rules in the face of the reason, in the face of reasons not to do that. Like just adamantly sticking to rules that are dumb. I hate dumb rules and I hate people who, who, who stick to dumb rules just because they're rules. A rule existing does not make it a good rule that should be followed at all times. Dumb people can make dumb rules. I can make a dumb rule right now for my kids. It doesn't mean that it's something that should be enforced all the time. And just because I made it. And so like that scene really irritated me because I'm like, this, this foster father is a piece of shit. I, I really think he is. Jessica doesn't really seem to be that into him. They find out about what happened to Leticia over the over television. She starts to have what appears to be a panic attack. And he turns around like, what's wrong? What are you doing? Like, she, <laughs> I fucking hate this guy, man. <laughs> oh, my. Um, so uh, I talked about so that I talked about how they found the body. Um, we need to find out about that torso. Uh, I talked about the interesting point that the father made. So um, I just had to have a couple other thoughts before I wrap this video up. I already talked about me not liking the foster father. That was one of my thoughts. I talked about that human pres pressure cooker phrase, which I thought was really good. I found it interesting that the cop <laughs> at the cop in whatever house that they're staying in while the while they're you know working on this case that he has French's mustard. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like if there was a, a, a brand of mustard called American mustard, he probably wouldn't add it. <laughs> it's just probably just like a slam dunk. Like, oh shit, we got, <laughs> we got French's mustard here. <laughs> Thank God I have to get American mustard. What's the fucking other popular brand of mustard besides French's? I feel like there's another one, but I have French's mustard, uh, but no affiliation to France other than my name and lineage. <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh, one of my the last thing I want to talk about, one of my favorite things about this episode and this show as a whole, I love the inclusion of real footage. And they did it again in this episode. Like we see real footage of like the foster parents meeting with the president. And I thought that was so cool because no matter how crazy this gets, there's no there's no disbelief that you have to suspend here because you're constantly reminded of how real this is. Like you know it's a true story. If well, you should know it's a true story. But if you didn't, you get to see this real footage and that reminds you like, yo, this shit actually happened. So like as far fetched as this might seem like this idea of like, you know, the, the Tony's mother uh, being molested and impregnated by her own father. Then she goes and marries a guy who molests their daughter and, and maybe even impregnates her as well. And like you know, all this background and him walking from walking from this social service, and they might be embellishing some of that stuff. Maybe he didn't walk however far from some social services to get to her. Who knows? But like at the end of the day, the incest stuff is probably real. Uh, the stuff having to do with Leticia and her background and, and all the all the craziness that went on with her parents, like all that shit's got to be real. And it, as wild as it gets, the inclusion of that real footage is like a constant reminder that. This shit's getting crazy and these people's backgrounds are ridiculous, but this shit all really happened. And I love that. I love the real footage uh, that is included 
uh, in the last two episodes. Maybe there wasn't the first episode and I just didn't notice, but um, yeah, again, really good episode here. I really was pleased to find that they were going to give us some background on Tony. That was great. And then I love the, the real life footage that they've included. And I love now the questions that are being raised. And I'm, I don't mean questions pertaining to the case, but like philosophical questions, like about how your background molds you, um, what it's like to, to grow up as somebody who is coming from a generation or two of abuse or rape or molestation or, or whatever the case may be, how that forms you and how that molds you. And then now hopefully soon, how that brings these two people together. And then hopefully how, uh, what the reason was for keeping the torso separate. I wonder if Leticia was pregnant, but then that would suggest that they had been seeing each other for far longer than the show has so far made it seem like. The show's kind of made it seem like it was kind of like a spur of the moment thing. Uh, so I, I don't know if she was she was pregnant or something like that, but there must have been something done to her body that this uh, that, that Tony doesn't want them to know about, which is why he kept it separate. So three more episodes. There's still a whole lot to find out. I need to know what's up with Jessica. I feel like Jessica knows something that we still don't know about. What's up with that letter from the opening scene of the first episode? The look around you, I'm not the only one lying. What's what what was that about? I still feel like there's something up with the foster father. So there's still a whole lot to discover here. So uh, really enjoying this one and uh, leave your thoughts in the comments below and I'll see you guys next week. Peace.